welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Today, we're answering letters about who to share random thoughts with after your spouse dies, what to do when you've saved a neighbor's life but you don't actually want to be friends with her, and how to handle petty insults in the family group chat. Here to help me out today is Kelsey McKinney. She is the co-owner and a features writer at Defector.com. Her first novel, God Spare the Girls, which is so good, was published in the summer of 2021. And she's the host and writer of the podcast Normal Gossip, which is all about the juicy, strange, everyday gossip from people you'll never meet. I love it. Welcome to the show, Kelsey. (laughs) Hi, thank you so much for having me, Janae. I'm so happy to be reunited here on your podcast. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I have pulled um, all letters that have something to do with gossip for you. That's great. I love mess. Um, I know you do. I know Just you like do. Marie you're, Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have so much fun with these. Oh my God, I can't So wait. before we get started, I do want to ask you a question that we've started asking all our guests. Do you have one piece of unsolicited advice that you would just like to give to the world unprompted? Mm -hmm. I have infinite pieces of unsolicited advice that I could give to the world unprompted. Um, But the one that I think I'm giving the most frequently recently is that you should never put your mess or your shit talking in text. Mm. You should be using voice memos or talking on the phone because you never know when someone is going to like screenshot your whole conversation and post it somewhere or send it to your enemy and, you know, safety first. Or I mean, it goes without saying on Slack or like or on Slack. Yeah. What you don't want is for someone to read your shit talking in a courtroom. That's a nightmare. Right. I'm less worried about um, a friend like screenshotting my shit talking. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to shit talk to someone, I probably trust them. Safety. (laughs) Yeah. What I'm worried about is sending it to the wrong person. Yes. Namely, the person who it's about, because that's how my mind things up. (laughs) Don't I sometimes people will DM me like my own posts on Instagram. And I'm always like, Mm. Oh, you made a mistake here, buddy. That wasn't what you meant to do. (laughs) Yeah, if I really actually I should just go to voice memos. Because when I want to talk shit about someone, I really have to sit there and like, I'll repeat the name of the person I'm trying to text it to like three times. I have to get (laughs) completely mentally present, like clear my mind and make sure I'm not doing anything crazy. I love the idea of you being like, time to turn on my Calm app and do a 15-minute second meditation so that I can make sure I send this to the right person. (laughs) Seriously, like Kelsey McKinney. Kelsey. This is Kelsey. This is not the person I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, great advice. Very smart. Um, I'll I'll try to use the voice memos function more. It's a good idea. Also, it's fun. People can tell your tone. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay. So we are going to go ahead and dive into the questions after a short break. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. I love how easy it is to use. And as a person who can be really self-conscious about making mistakes, I love that I don't have to actually talk to a real human while I'm still working on my vocabulary and my accent. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel the science-based language-driven learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. 
Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and rooted in real-life situations. They're delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, plus all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash prudy. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash prudy, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash prudy. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Kelsey McKinney. Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Janae. Let's go ahead and dive right in with our first letter. It's titled, Heart Attack. I recently helped a neighbor by recognizing the symptoms of a heart attack and insisting on driving her to the emergency room. She survived, but now she thinks we're best friends because I saved her life and is constantly coming over to unload all of her anxieties and health problems on me whenever she sees me outside. She's casually racist and homophobic and a gossip who spreads rumors. I don't like being around her, and I'm afraid my other neighbors will see her coming over all the time and assume I share her values. I've started avoiding my front yard and running inside anytime I see her coming. But I'm starting to wonder if I made a mistake in helping her, which of course makes me feel like a horrible person. What can I do to get her to back off? Well, first of all, congratulations on saving a life. Yeah, what's it like to be a hero? (laughs) This is the best example I've seen recently of no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah. You saved your neighbor, but now you have to deal with her. You know, was it worth it? Is the question and she seems to honestly, be asking. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> it was the right thing to do, but it wasn't worth it. And I have to say, I've been there before. I have hidden. You from saved someone's before. life? No, just the bad part. The only <laughs> just the bad the part. part of just being avoidant and hiding from neighbors. Um, we had some people across the street move in. And they asked my husband and I to bring in their Amazon packages when they were out of town. Actually, they wanted us to put them in our garage. No. And we said, okay, but then we just didn't want to do it Um, for a a number of reasons. But like one of them was as the black people in a predominantly white neighborhood, we didn't want to steal the packages on their porch. Talking about suspicious people. We didn't want to be going over there, taking packages and bringing them back to our own garage. Um, So we just. Right. Then there's going to be a video of you on next door and everyone's going to be like, these people are stealing packages. Um, so they came back and all their packages, I assume, were still in their yard and we just hid from them from then on. (laughs) I can't believe I get to be an advice columnist after living like that. It's such a horrible way to go about life. All that to say, I've been here and I don't have a whole lot of wisdom because what I did was just continue to hide. So, um... Kelsey, any any thoughts? <laughs> I am also kind of an avoidant person. So this is very much a like, do as I say and not as I do situation. But you don't owe this person friendship, just because mm. you were nice to her one time, right? Like those aren't the same thing. It is like your common courtesy as a neighbor. I feel like doing the right thing in this scenario of helping her realize she was having a heart attack and taking her to the hospital is just like, that's the right thing to do, right? That's like the moral good in this scenario. Is it mm-hmm. fair that you're being punished for it? No, that sucks. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Um, I feel like the only way to handle this is just to kind of be up front with her, right? Mm-hmm. And to say like, I didn't help you because like, 
I wanted to be best friends with you. I just helped you because like you seemed like you needed help. Kelsey, is someone going to say that? No, nobody's ever going to say that. Having a conversation is literally impossible. And I feel like this show so often when I listen to it, I'm like, oh, if you had one conversation, it's like sitcom problems. If you had one conversation, this problem would be solved. But the conversations are so hard. No one wants to be mean to someone's face. I know. It's hard to be honest to someone's face. (laughs) So reading through the question, I felt like I wanted to know what the letter writer was actually bothered by. Yes. There's a lot here, right? So there's the unloading of anxieties and health problems. Mm -hmm. There's the casual racism and homophobia. Now, I always wonder what, what makes it casual. Like if someone's just kind of breezily like, oh my gosh, they've got to get the woke Martin Luther King books out of the library. It's not wearing a suit jacket. That's what makes it casual, actually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's the casual racism and homophobia. Hmm. Then there's the spreading gossip and rumors. That's your department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's neighbors thinking the letter writer is also racist and homophobic and a gossip. So... I guess I want to know, like, which which is the part that's bothering you the mm-hmm. most? Um, if it's the un- unloading anxieties and health problems, I think that's, like, pretty standard conversation fodder for an older person. Yes. Um, there's just people of a certain age get a lot of mileage about um, talking about stuff that's going on with their bodies yeah. and like, the things they're worried about. And it's, like, how they connect. Um, if it's the racism and homophobia... I feel like it's okay to make the person uncomfortable. That's where you want to make them suffer a little bit, right? If you really don't like that, that should motivate you to be okay with a little discomfort because this is a bad person, right? So just like the old, why would you say that, you know? I completely agree with you, but it is like hard for me to believe in reading this, that that is the actual issue here. Like Mm. it's something about the use of the word casual. Mm -hmm. And then later you're still saying that the problem isn't that they're racist or homophobic, right? So like, yes, obviously you should call them out on those things. And like, it's fine to be an asshole to someone who's an asshole. But it seems like here more of the problem is that this person is like, I'm concerned that my neighbors will perceive me as the kind of person who's friends with this person. Right. Like, I don't, I don't love the conversations. But mostly I'm worried about what other people which I, I kind of feel like what is your relationship with your other neighbors like, right? Like how how are you communicating mm. with them if they are going to make this kind of assumption uh, about you based solely on what they see you talking to her, right? Like they're like, oh, she talked to her one time, therefore they must be best friends. Like then you're not communicating mm-hmm. with any of your neighbors. So you have like a right. bigger problem here, which is that you don't know your other neighbors. Mm-hmm. And this woman, because she is possibly a slanderous gossip, knows everyone. <laughs> right. That's such a good point. Like either the neighbors know you well enough to know that you're not like that. Yes. Or you don't know them, in which case, do we really care what they think that much? Yeah, like we all have to live in a society, unfortunately. Like sometimes your neighbors are not people you like. Sometimes your neighbors are hateful. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to judge someone based on who they live next to necessarily. It's something else. I think. As a total side note, like Please. footnote on this, you're from Texas, right? I sure am. <laughs> this kind of reminds me of why people in the South, I'm going to make a sleeping generalization yeah. here, are super into having space. Yes. Like acres and like lots of room between you and your neighbors. Yes. Um, I'm sure there's lots of other reasons that go into it, but 
you kind of get it when you realize how inconvenient it is to be like pressed up against someone where you can't see them. Yes. You can't avoid seeing them when you go in your front door. And like, that's just the situation until you move. Yeah, because if you have an acre of space between you, like if your driveway is a mile long, if you see Mm -hmm. someone, you're in a car, you can just wave at them and not stop. (laughs) Right. And like, maybe they'll talk about you, but you don't have to interact with them. Exactly. So I want to dig in on the gossip part here. Okay. Tell me what you think about this. Um, So I love to gossip, right? We all love to gossip. I really enjoy it. Not all of us. I think there's some people who either because they're just good people or they just don't like have the gene or whatever. They just don't find it interesting. And I actually have a couple of friends like this. So I know who to go to. Um. Like with mm-hmm. my interesting tidbits and with my snarky comments yeah. and with my shit talking. And the people who don't want it have like trained me not to give it to yeah. them. Simply by not giving me very good feedback. Right. You know? They don't respond so the I way you want them to. I have one friend who will just be like, pretend I hate you, Kelsey. Okay. And I'm like, oh, did you hear that Kelsey is like really unhappy at work and you know she's having problems in her marriage? <gasps> my friend would be like, Oh, that sucks. <laughs> right. And you're like, that. that's not and what I, I want. That's not, that's not what I'm going for. But she always responds like that. And I think it's genuine. Um, so I'm wondering if the letter writer can just train her neighbor by just giving like really dry responses mm-hmm. or not responses that don't engage or don't give anything back. Right. It's like you can't. Okay. I have a couple of things to say here. The first is that she really specifies like gossip who spreads rumors, mm. which I'm like curious about the framing of that, not to like close read this like an English professor, but mm-hmm. I am interested in the use of the word rumors here. Like, are the things she's spreading lies? Hmm. Or is she just spreading information that other people don't want spread, right? Because those are two right. different things, right? Like doing libel is very rude, generally, mm-hmm. and slander. But if she's spreading things that like you just don't like other people knowing then you could just not engage with her, right? You can just Mm -hmm. avoid her. You can't have it both ways. You can't be perceived by your neighbor as a nice person and have the kind of relationship you want to have with her based on this this level. So you need to choose one. And like, if you choose, I want to be perceived as a nice person by my neighbor, then like the consequence of that seems to be these things that you've outlined. I love the way you put that. She's got to make a choice. It doesn't mean you have to be a mean person. You're no. not going to tell this woman, I shouldn't have saved your life. You're not worth the air you breathe. You're just going to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I have a load of laundry and bye, you yeah. know, or I have to keep going. And like, we'll just, if she doesn't want to talk to you, she's not going to talk to you. Right. And um, I think it's okay to be like that. And it mm-hmm. might not be as hurtful to this person as you think, because yeah. if there's someone who doesn't have great boundaries and kind of um, pushes themselves on other people, they've been treated like that before. And hopefully they'll kind of receive it and move on. If you're setting a boundary and someone else is responding to that in a way you don't like, that's not your problem. Mm. That's the point of the boundary, right? Like you set this boundary. The things on the other side of that boundary are not your problem. That's Mm -hmm. their problem. So like, but you have to be okay with that. Like if you set the boundary of I don't want to interact with this person and I don't want to be friendly with them, they might go talk shit about you. And like, that's not your business. So I think the letter writer is in a great situation where she might feel like, you know what? That was hard. Yes. I'm, I'm feeling like this person doesn't think I'm nice. Um, but all I'm your other neighbors well. are going to be like, didn't she literally save your life? Right. <laughs> so um, I think you're going to be okay here. Yeah. Like you're a hero. You're a hero no matter what you do. 
And no matter how many times you like usher this woman off your porch. Yeah. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show. And when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Adultish is back. And this season, we're talking about standing up and learning how to take a stand for issues on the minds of young people, like book bans. The book banning side, they have an incredibly well-oiled machine. Filling in food deserts. We have three community colleges where we either provide food boxes or an actual operating farmer's market. And what's affecting young people's mental and emotional health. Pressures of school, friendships, from romantic relationships, pressures from family. New episodes of Adultish from YR Media drop every Thursday, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash Prudy Plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash Prudy Plus. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Kelsey McKinney, to answer your letters. Kelsey, are you ready for the next one? I'm ready. Okay, it's titled Gossip Girl. My husband died about two years ago after a 30-year, pretty happy marriage. One of the things I miss is that casual ability to talk about friends and family in that way you can with a partner. I could tell him when I was frustrated, annoyed, or surprised by something going on in our friend group. He'd tell me if I was being petty or laugh along with me. I miss that and find myself becoming a gossip in a way I don't really like. When something happens or annoys me about one friend, I'll call a different member of our group. There tend to be a few close friends I feel comfortable doing this with, but I question the impulse I have. I never share confidences, but I do share petty annoyances and stories. I don't want my friends to think of me as a gossip, but it's hard not to vent. You know, Mm. I really think this sounds so hard. Yeah. Um, I try to tailor my gossip and my commentary to like the relevant friend group, right? Yeah. So if I have something I need to say, I'll actually scroll through a few group chats to like feel out the right landing place for it and see who would appreciate it, who it would resonate with. But my husband is the dumping ground for everything that doesn't have another home. Um, And it's not necessarily like it doesn't speak to his interests. It's not in his wheelhouse, but 
if I haven't been able to talk to it about someone else, he's going to have to hear it. And I really think it would be a huge loss um, to not have that anymore. So I don't know. Do you think there's anything else that could just scratch this itch? Yeah, I feel really sad for this person. I'm sorry for your loss. Like that sucks to have a 30 year happy marriage and then suddenly to be alone, right? Like that is seems extremely difficult. And I wish it on no one. Yeah. And I think that is kind of like the the secret contract of all partnerships, right? Is like, you have to listen to every wine I've ever had, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. what sickness and health really is, is it's like the brain worms I have about like, my friend wearing this color dress to this thing, you now have Mm -hmm. to take right. And like, I wonder here about like, what your friendships are like, right? Mm. Because you say like that you're venting with these people and you're sharing these confidences and petty annoyances amongst like various friends in your group Mm -hmm. and that you don't want them to think of you as a gossip, but it's like hard Mm -hmm. not to vent. And I wonder if there is like some, if it might be of some help to tell them this, right? Mm. To be like, I don't have anywhere to put these things right? Because like, that is something that everyone is going to understand. And that I assume everyone in your friend group is aware of, right? Like for the first like, year after anyone goes through a major grief cycle, any good friend is going to be like, none of this matters. (laughs) Like whatever you do or say is like, absolved by this massive problem that you're going through. So like, telling them, I need somewhere to whine, might be the answer because they might be like, you can whine to me, that's fine. And then you have a solution. <laughs> I love the idea of maybe picking one person. Yeah. To just say, can I give you all the thoughts yeah. that I would have given my husband? Um, with both of us understanding mm-hmm. that they may not be that interesting. Yeah. They may seem petty. I just need a place to put these mm-hmm. ideas um, that are just like homeless right now. I do applaud the letter writer for thinking about how their friends might perceive them. Yeah if they're always sort of being petty and gossiping. Because I don't know, what do you think about this, Kelsey? I've sort of become aware that as much as I love petty gossip, I also am aware of the fact that the more you talk about people, the more the people who are receiving the gossip worry that you might be talking about them too. Yeah. And I feel most safe with people who are not talking shit about everyone around them because I know they're not turning around and talking about me. Yeah. Um, it's a huge like source of hypocrisy in my life. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah. I love being a hypocrite. It's one of my passions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. I think there's something to be said for like, what do your relationships look like outside of this like mm-hmm. petty talk? Right. Because like, I am a gossip both personally and professionally. There are people Mm -hmm. in my life you will never hear gossip about because like Mm. I don't gossip about them, right? Like there is a kind of like fortitude and also marriage (laughs) that exists within those friendships where I'm like, this is, you're someone I protect, right? Right. Like I would protect you. Generally, if I'm shit talking, it's someone that I'm not friends with, right? Like that's kind of rare. And here, it doesn't seem like you're really spreading lies or spreading things that like people don't want to know as much as you're getting a little annoyed with your friends sometimes. And you have Mm -hmm. nowhere to put that. That's true. There's a big difference Mm -hmm. between like sharing somebody's difficult top secret news. Yeah. And saying, 
you know, she um, got really drunk and kept repeating the same thing over and over on Friday night and was like making us all do karaoke. We didn't want to. Yes. Or whatever it is, you know, something really harmless like that. Right. I also wonder if there's not some insecurity here that like, it's one thing to tell your partner something about your friends, but it's not okay to bring that into the friend group. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's an interesting insecurity that I find fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in many friend groups where, like, there are members of the group that are single. And so, like, this doesn't apply to them. And I'm like, I think maybe you need another friend group. Hmm. Right? Like, a side friend group. A side friend group where you could be like, this one girl in my other friend group is making me crazy about this thing. And that person that's a good idea. isn't involved and they don't care. <laughs> that's a really good idea. <laughs> They're like, who? <laughs> Or just find someone who like, I feel like you've done this on Twitter where you're just like, can someone tell me some gossip right now, you know, about anything? I don't have to know the people and I don't have to care. Like maybe there's someone in your life, whether it's a coworker Mm -hmm. or just an acquaintance who just would just like to hear this stuff. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Kelsey, if you wanted to tell me a small complaint about a friend who I don't know, I would give me. Yeah. I'd be like, let's get on Zoom and discuss. Yeah. So I think maybe that is a possible solution that requires less like vulnerability is is there somebody in your life that you could maybe upgrade from a b-list friend to an a-list friend and like put some of these confidences there instead of back into the like incestuous friend group where they came from i love it Hmm. um that's much better than the last idea i had which which was journaling (laughs) (laughs) i don't journal um but i feel like it's useful to a lot of people and you know if it helps you process other thoughts like Mm -hmm. maybe it's just a good a good place to purge the things that you want to say that yeah. don't have a, a great or permanent home right now. Yeah. It also seems like the things that you're talking about aren't things that if they got back to someone in your friend group, they would be like heartbroken over, right? Like the things right. you tell your partner, are like, I'm annoyed that this person won't stop talking to her ex-boyfriend, right? And like, mm. if you told that person that, they would be like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Maybe. I think so. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Depending on the personality. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, find a new friend um, designated. Designated study friend. For commentary and gossip. Yeah. There's someone out there. There's a lot of us. Yeah. If you want to send it to the Dear Prudence inbox, I'll read them. Oh. I'll read the thoughts. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and, of course, advice from us. Stay tuned. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. We have reached our last question, Kelsey. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm so sad that this is our last one. It's titled, Looking for Support, Not Judgment. My husband and his family are very close and keep each other updated on even mundane daily parts of life through a group chat, parents, husband, his three siblings. 
While I feel the contact is a bit excessive, I'm not in the chat, so it doesn't really affect me. My husband just returned to work after I recently had our second baby, and my mother-in-law has been coming over to visit and help out. I don't find her particularly helpful. Dishes she washes need to be rewashed due to physical limitations. She can't do a lot with her older child. She's uncomfortable being around while I breastfeed, etc. But she means well, and I know she enjoys seeing the kids. After work a few days ago, my husband gave me his phone to read through a section of their chat discussing a possible family vacation this summer. After that section, the next message was sent by my MIL just after she had left her house, stating how terrible I had looked, that I had refused all her help. She'd offered to watch the kids while I showered, but our toddler was being very rambunctious, and based on experience, she wouldn't have been able to handle that. So I said I'd wait until they were both napping, and that I'm, quote, letting the house fall apart. There was an overflowing hamper of laundry due to a projectile vomit incident just before she came over. I can't currently carry our laundry basket up and down the stairs due to my C-section recovery, and neither can she, so I told her not to worry about it. I'd have my husband start it when he got home. I was really hurt by all of this. Most of all, that she thought a group chat involving other family members was the place to share it, rather than directly to my husband if she had concerns. Also, I'm just having a pretty standard postpartum recovery slash newborn period where standards briefly slide a bit. But it's a success because everyone's alive, fed, and clean. I asked him to speak to her about sharing concerns directly with him, but also being realistic about what life looks like for us right now and reserving judgment. He called, and before he could say any of this to her, she let him know that she'd had a group call with her sisters earlier, they do about once a week, and she told them about how much trouble I'm having. Again, I don't think I'm having trouble. And they had some great suggestions, many of which involve her spending more time at our house. I spoke up in the background at this point and said if coming to visit us was just going to turn into her juicy gossip to share with everyone, then I really didn't feel the need to have her at the house anymore. I let her know when I, quote, had my life back together, as she had put it, and maybe we could try again. Then, it might be a year or two, sarcastic, I admit. She got very offended and hung up and has since posted in the group chat about how hurtful my comments were, with my husband refusing to discuss it any way other than in person. Do we actually need to put any of our limited time and energy into thinking about this, or just keep ignoring cattiness and wait for her to come around? I think this woman is a saint. Um, she's so patient. She's so healthy in the way she's kept this all in perspective. Mm-hmm. And I love that this absolutely awful behavior has not done anything to derail the way she sees herself or make her question herself. Mm-hmm. Like she just has a wonderfully clear yeah. perspective on um, the fact that she is not the bad guy here and she's not doing anything wrong. And I just yes. want to applaud her for that. Yeah, I agree with that. She seems very like, reasonable yeah on that note if your mother-in-law can use the group chat so can you Mm -hmm. and i just suggest saying almost just laying out almost everything you've said here in writing just center this um yeah basically (laughs) this you know just like a response to the substance of not doing well Mm -hmm. and why that's normal um calling out her limitations when it comes to being helpful yeah Calling out her for being a weirdo about being uncomfortable while you breastfeed. Yes. I mean, what? What's wrong with you? Um, and again, just putting it out there, like you said in the letter, like if you 
if you don't want to be present for this time in our lives and if you're troubled by it, um, we'll call you to come back when things are a little more under control in a couple of years. Yeah, I do think there, I have a couple of, so I, my bias here is that I uh, do not have children. And so a lot of these things I do not know about firsthand. Mm-hmm. I postpartum immediate is seems extremely rough and very difficult. So I do think it's mm-hmm. great that everyone is alive, fed and clean. I would say you deserve a medal. Congratulations. I'm curious here about like, what the boundaries you have set with your mother-in-law in the past look like. And Mm -hmm. whether you have been able to have a conversation about those, because she seems to think that the reason she's coming over to visit is to help. And you seem to think that the reason she's coming over to visit is for her to feel like she's helping. Mm. So if that is true, which could be a little bit of a misreading, and you think that the reason she's coming over is to feel like she's helping, you have also denied her all of the offers she made. Let me watch the kids while you shower. Let me do the laundry. Let me do this. You had excuses for all of them for why she couldn't do them. Right. Which is fine. But then you're not fulfilling the wish that you, the like fake world that you exist in where you're pretending to let her feel like she's helping. Right. I wonder if there's something that could be made up sort Mm -hmm. of like how you make up um, a job for a toddler. Yes. Their fake broom and dustpan and you say, please help sweep. Yes. And they kind of do it. Is there a job that she could do that is fake or that um, you don't really need done or that is even a little bit helpful? Yeah. Like, can she pair baby socks? Yeah. That seems like something she could do, right? They're all over the place. Right. Put them together. Can you give her a little task to do Mm -hmm. that will make her feel like she's helped that is actually helpful to you? Right. And then get her out of there. Right. right. There have to be some small tasks, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, that doesn't fix all the other problems going on in this letter, but it would fix at least no. the problem of her feeling like you won't let her help you. Right. Man, but how do you let someone back in your house at <sighs> time after they've told everyone, not just that you don't let them help, but that you look terrible? Yeah, I don't. That would really get me. I would have a hard time being seen again by someone who had said I mm-hmm. looked terrible and told other people, even if I knew I looked terrible. Yeah, I I don't love this group chat that exists and is constantly moving without you in it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't love that in general. Um, it's fine, but I'm just nosy. So I would be like, what's happening in there? Tell me everything that's happening mm-hmm. in there. How did your husband respond when your mother-in-law said that, right? Like, You said that you saw this in the group chat and that your mother-in-law said some things that you found really hurtful. How did your husband respond? Right? Like, I don't, I could be missing it. It doesn't sound like he responded in the thread. She said, I asked him to speak to her about this. And so like at the letter writer's request, Mm -hmm. he called. And before he could say anything, she made the the report about her call with her sisters. Yes. So yeah, if if you don't want to say it, I will. The husband... The husband really needs to step up here. Yeah, I think there is some level in any partnership of like your family, your problem, right? Like your mom is being mean to me. You need to have my back on that, right? Like that is part of being married. Even Even more than your family, your problem. It's like your family, protect me from them. Yes. If they're horrible. Yes. And like in this scenario in particular, I'm like, it seems like he needs to be doing a little bit more here than just like calling his mom because you told him to call her, right? Like it seems like he needs to be saying to his mother directly, like, 
don't say that my wife looks terrible. Don't say that our house is falling apart. Like, if you want to come over and help out, help out. Mm -hmm. But this is not helping. Right? Because like, based on this whole conversation, it seems like she's going to listen to him and not you. <laughs> so, like, And to tie that back to something else you said, he should be the one to figure out activities for his mom yes, to do. Yes, great idea. I love that. Um, <laughs> it shouldn't be the letter writer's job. So if there's like a task that would actually help you, or if there's just something to keep her occupied, um, that should be his job to figure out a sign yes. and communicate. Or to, to move this laundry basket upstairs before she gets yeah. there so that she can do That'd the laundry, nice, right? right? Like these basic things mm -hmm. that he could do to help you, those are easy solutions because he's the one that's married to you. Like dealing with your mother-in-law is a nightmare in this scenario. But talking to your husband about like, here are some ways that you can run interference on this seems like it should be easier, right? Right. So yeah, I would say letter writer at this point, use the group chat, say everything yeah, you said. Yeah, yeah. Let your husband bear the responsibility of figuring out how to make it work when you do let her back in. Yeah, and the question she asks at the end, do we need to put any of our limited time and energy into thinking about this? Or can we just keep ignoring cattiness and wait for her to come around? I like, I don't know that this scenario in particular would be a huge problem if you ignored it and waited for her to come around. But this system of family conversation is not working and it will return. So like you can oh, deal with this now, or you can put up with this kind of situation over and over and over again forever. I recommend this and it's, first it's more one. than cattiness. Yeah. It's more than cattiness. It's actually really painful. And I think it'll actually, it'll only become more so as time goes on. So no, you can't ignore it. Yeah. Sorry. Because you will become resentful. Mm -hmm. And famously, um, a boss that we both shared once told me something that I have never forgotten, which is that if you swallow a bitter pill, you can't unswallow it. So like, this is a situation where if you continue to allow this behavior without correcting it, and your husband continues to allow this behavior to continue without correcting it, you are never going to be able to repair this relationship because you will have swallowed a bitter pill that can't come back up. So like, deal with it now. Those are all the questions we have for the week. And as always, I hope we've been helpful. I know that bitter pill comment was helpful. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> Thank you, Kelsey. <laughs> Thank you to Lauren Williams, our previous boss. <laughs> we love Lauren. We sure do. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Kelsey's podcast, Normal Gossip, which delivers juicy, strange, funny, and utterly banal gossip about people you'll never know and will never meet. Kelsey discusses reader-submitted comedic gossip with guests, diving into the lives and decisions of complete strangers. Trust me, it's a must-listen. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, or people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. And you can join us for the Dear Pretty live chat on Mondays at noon Eastern. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks with a special thanks to Brandon Nix. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. I'm your prudence, Janae Desmond Harris. Until next time.